0: welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What did they do to get started and what are they doing to stay there? And oh my goodness, we have another special guest. Today, I'm getting to talk to Lisa Plug. She is the Global Leadership Development Program Manager at Hitachi Vantara. Lisa, I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing?
1: Hello, Bruce. I am so excited to be here. I feel like we should be riding in a car and singing at the same time, like that television program.
0: (laughs) I love that. Oh my gosh, riding in the leadership lane. This is so hilarious. I will tell you, uh, one of the things that I like to do to start out is I like to think about you know I like to reflect on when I met my guests or when I came when they came into my path and for you we recently saw each other at the Dallas yeah. Baptist University Lells the leadership yeah, empowerment yeah. luncheon but the first time I met you I don't know if you remember this but was uh-huh. back during the culture consortium uh, yes. events and at Michael's do you remember that
1: I absolutely remember that because I thought why is this guy from a moving company here And I thought you had so many ideas. And I remember sitting at your table going, well, I could do that and writing all these notes. But I still like, I think it's amazing because we've been down so many different paths and we keep bumping into each other. So I was really, really, really excited to be here today.
0: Well we're going to talk leadership today. We're going to talk in particular leadership development. I've got a passion for that. I know you do as well and and I I've, I've been wanting to get you on the show for a long time but you you posted something mm-hmm. around uh is, you know driving this new program in a new company and I thought, you know what? It's a great mm-hmm. time to talk to you about that. But before I do, I would love to hear the Lisa Pluge story. Like where did you grow up and how in the world did you arrive in this uh, global leadership development uh, program today?
1: It's such a good story, Bruce, because it's one of those things where you just have to be flexible. And so I think that started when I was really young and we moved five times in in elementary school. So I went to elementary school all over the U.S. And later, you know, went, went to college, had a great leadership experience through my sorority, then I later got into student government. So like, really, I was that kid that was kind of shy and not that talkative and something happened to me at San Diego State University and it just went boom. And then, you know, I remember being like 18 or 19 and I'm in a sorority, Alpha Phi, and my, my friend said, why don't you run for an office? And I thought, well, why not? So if I could say one thing that really guides me, it's that whole question of why not? And you know, from there, I joined student government. And from there, I got to travel and go to conferences and things. But what I saw was really that ability to help others. So as I was in a role, I was the president of the Panhellenic Association, which is all the Greek organizations or all the women's organizations. And I thought, well, who's gonna take my role when I leave? And here was my friend Stacy, who's an amazing person. I said, why don't you run? She said, well, why not? And so it just kind of starts that thing of getting other people excited about what you're doing, doing. because a lot of times you don't think of it. You need somebody to say, hey, have you thought about Hmm. dot, dot, dot. So I've tried to be that person. So growing up in America, lots of different experiences, started working in Arizona at a bank, and I was an internal auditor. Uh, It was not the best job for me and it was very boring and tedious. And to me, like sitting in a basement spreading financial statements was not fun. So uh, they asked for somebody to help with United Way. And they said, Lisa, you're the youngest person on the team. Would you like to go to some high schools and teach people economics? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I could get out of the office and go out. And I did that every couple of weeks for a year. And I just loved it. And I bought an economics textbook and the teacher said, hey, can you talk about supply and demand today? And so I did. And I just happened to know enough about it to be not too dangerous. But I found that you know students would come up after me and they'd say, hey, I really like that story you told, or that really made sense to me. And I remember being a student sitting in a class and thinking this is not very interesting. So I thought if I could make it interesting, then people will be inspired and move forward. So that's kind of where it starts, is that asking somebody, would you like to do something? And they said, well, I guess so. Sure, why not?
0: I love so, that. Um, By the way, I'm thinking right now, Lisa, your next book is called Why Not? Why not? <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm going to be using that. Why not? Um, that, that's so good. And I, and I love how you were able to figure out a way to connect, connect mm-hmm. with those students
1: right because that
0: right. I mean if you just start talking numbers they were like uh not really maybe not oh, they were interested. all
1: filing their nails you know wow. and not really taking notes and then I kind of brought it down to like yeah. daily life how does yeah. this impact you so you,
0: yeah that yeah oh my gosh that is so fantastic and so how did you uh how did you finally get to Texas
1: Okay, well, Texas was not ever something I planned. And (laughs) I actually left Arizona and moved to Europe. So I lived in the Netherlands. So yes, I speak Dutch. Pluch is a Dutch last name. And I worked for a couple of different companies, a shipping company. And the deal was, I was a banker. And I thought, I, you know, I've I've got an MBA in international finance. I thought I'd go into banking. And I got there and couldn't find a job. But this shipping company is called TNT Express. And they had a job for somebody who was called a training, a, a financial systems training executive. And I thought, well, I could do that. <laughs> so I kind of taught myself how to do it. And a couple of years later, I'm in China and I'm teaching people how to use mainframe computer systems to do a track and trace um, application. And I'm training them. And I'd never done this. And I kind of taught myself. So you know, this is, uh, this is the thing that I've invented myself about four times. So I'm really in my fourth career. And I think because you have to be fearless about things and to take that jump and think, well, if it doesn't go very well, I guess I could find something else. But along Mm -hmm. the way you learn so much that you become like, I I guess, I guess that learning guides your path and your direction.
0: I like that. You know, there's a lot of people that might be listening now that have always thought about making a leap, but they're, uh-huh. comfortable where they're at. They can't quite right. break that leaf. And, but you seem to be able to do that uh, with no fear or was there fear and you just made yourself do that.
1: Probably a combination. I really needed a job. <laughs> and
0: <laughs> yeah, that's motivation. <laughs> that's
1: the motivation. You know, I think, but then later I'll tell you, Bruce, this is where I really, really leap leapt into it. Um, I worked for Nike for a couple of years, which was fantastic. As we all know, Nike is a big global sports company. And I'm not the most athletic person. And I, you know, I didn't know that much about it. Great place to work. And then I went through a layoff and it was really, really kind of debilitating. And it was the same time that my first child was born. And I thought, well, I'll take some time off. And so a couple months go by and then a couple more months. And I'm at a barbecue and a friend said to me, you have all this business experience why don't you work at the university we need practitioners to work with students to tell them about the real world of business so you know what i said why not and so i did it and i really <laughs> it was so like unscripted and my first teaching job was could i teach presentation skills to chinese pre-mba students so I did, I bought a book on presentation skills. I practiced, I wrote it, and I'm, I'm good at presenting. I've done Toastmasters and things. And I came up with a curriculum and I taught it to them and they liked it. And then it went from there to, could you teach a, a finance class or an economics class? So I was actually in the economic or in the, um, the academic world for 10 years. And I ended up the last four years at Maastricht University, which is a very, very good business school in the Netherlands, and I taught marketing. So there I am teaching people market research. And I thought, I've come a long way from that basement in Arizona where I was you know, crunching numbers. But what I really realized is I love working with people so much. Mm-hmm. And that helping somebody understand something or to think about where they want to go in their career was so gratifying. And I would find people as I was walking to get coffee and they'd say, uh, Professor Pluke, Professor Pluk, can I ask you a question? And it would be something, you know, what do you think about this job? Or which direction should I go? Mm. Or our marketing team is practicing for something. Could you come and watch and give us some feedback? So it was really amazing that it really kind of It really kind of changed my perspective on what I wanted to do because of that. I think the warmth that comes back from developing people and seeing them go somewhere and find their way.
0: I love that. So it sounds like to me, you, you found your lane, you found your purpose uh, in your career. I'm, I'm wondering like through this whole journey, as you kind of reflect, was there like that one moment where you're like, I love what I do now? I'm just, this is, I'm good at training, facilitating, coaching.
1: Mm -hmm, I love mm
0: -hmm. that. Or were there all these little moments, like some some of the things you've talked about?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, Bruce. I think it's a lot of different moments. Mm -hmm. Like when I came, so you asked me how I ended up in Texas and that was 12 years ago. So I was not a leadership development person when I came here and I was working at Texas Women's University teaching their executive MBA. And that was a Saturday class for people like you and I that might be pursuing an MBA and having full-time jobs and probably have kids and other things. And I would go in there on Saturday for an eight or nine hour class. And it was so hard and tiring, but you know what? Those people were into it. And it was one of the coolest moments because I'd go there and I'd start talking about these six or seven chapters they had to read and prepare them for this giant presentation they were going to make. And it was just really fun. And I thought, wow, they're asking me, I get to stand here and give them all my wisdom, which, you know, I guess I've got a lot of it, but that was one of those things that really, really impacted me. And I loved doing that. I didn't love the really long day and I would be dead tired. So for any of us that have facilitated, you know, a whole day of facilitating and especially having to go really deep in content can be just exhausting. But I think that was one. Um, I think really there have been so many moments like that. I love writing content. I'm building a mentoring program right now for Hitachi and I've written massive amounts of content. I put together this structure and I built it in two or three different platforms. And that's really fun. But now I kind of miss talking to people. So oh. I go back and forth oh I yeah see. I, like, I like that variety i
0: I know what you mean by that because when I, I recently did a keynote speaking event and I was so energized going in a great day at the conference just a full day ended with dinner I got home and I was so exhausted it was uh-huh. exhausting uh, and energizing at the same time hey uh, I want to ask you this you know uh, you talked about what you're doing now I, one of the things you posted, on LinkedIn was you are now developing this global leadership development program. And it sounds massive. Like it sounds so (laughs) big. Uh, I'm curious, talk a little bit about that. And and how do you take that from big to little? I mean, I would think you'd have to break that down. It's gonna probably take a lot.
1: Right, Yeah. 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 That's it. Yes, that's true. So what I'm doing at Hitachi Vontara is this mentorship program. So it's part of global leadership, but okay. I think they've had different iterations of this smaller scale mentoring that was face-to-face. I used to work at Mary Kay and we had a great, really focused mentoring program. So this one is going to be for everybody. We have about 8,000 employees, but Hitachi okay. Limited has 350,000. So this program will eventually be for everyone at Hitachi Total, like anything with Hitachi in the name. So it's a pretty big task. And I started just researching and thinking about it and going back to what I knew and talking to people and getting feedback. You know, What didn't work before? Why do people not follow through? What are the biggest challenges? So I really looked at it from the mentee perspective, giving them a toolkit from the mentor perspective then what's the value proposition? Like, why would I want to spend time doing that? I've mentored a lot of people formal, formally and informally. And I think mentoring is a tough thing because unless you have a very structured, it really, you're leaving it to two people who may or may not click. And they may have a goal, but then things can sidetrack. And I hear a lot of stories of people say, oh, my mentor is great, but we really just socialized a lot. Mm. And I want to prevent that. So I Well, you know, that's part of it, but I'm trying to make enough job aids and guidelines and materials that you can structure it. But if you're not a structured person, you can do it your way too. So it's very self-serve, which is kind of the Hitachi Bontaro way.
0: I love that. I want want to dive into that. Um, I want to know more because, you know, Dallas HR, who I was, you know, Mm -hmm. former president of Dallas HR back in 2012, we have a, a, a mentorship program. Uh, that okay. is for the students coming in and then, uh, you know, the, the mm-hmm. senior yeah. HR leaders to mentor them up. But I want, but I wanna, before I go there, I want to ask you this. On this journey that you've been on, like, this has been an incredible journey. Like, every time you start a new conversation, you're talking about this new place that you worked at and all yes. these really cool things you've done. Uh, was uh, Have there been some mentors that have helped you? get to where you are today. And and if so, what what was it that was so great about what they did for you?
1: Yeah, there've been quite a few. I was thinking about that this morning. So when I went to the university and I was not an academic, I had a fantastic boss and mentor who was just, what made it good is that she would give me enough guidelines but then let me Mm -hmm. figure things out myself. Mm Here's what you need to do, and here's what I suggest you do. But she was very open to those conversations. So she was a guide and a very experienced person. We still keep in touch. I still follow what she's doing, but she, you know, she was very like a very strong figure for me and very helpful in helping me to understand that I could do all of this. I don't have a PhD. I would love to have a PhD, but I don't have one. So a lot of times in the academic world, you use people who have a lot of experience and probably an MBA, alongside. And you know, she said, "Oh, of course you can do this. You've got all this, all this wisdom." So that helped me to feel empowered mm. um, when I came to Texas and I knew really nobody, and really not. I moved in with my parents and my two kids. So you know, I came here completely blank and had to kind of start over. I did some adjunct work at universities, so Texas Women's, TCU, and um, later at UT Dallas. But this wonderful woman, her name was Rodney Kate, and she hired me at Mary Kay. And she said, um, and I remember the interview because I'd gone through so many interviews and like nobody would hire me. And I couldn't figure out what I should do because I hadn't been in the U.S. I was gone for 20 years. And when I left, you know, I was 28 years old. So... Now you can figure out how old I am, but anyway, it was one of those things that she was talking to me and she said, you know, you don't have the typical background for a facilitator and leadership person. And that's what I'm looking for, but you have all those things with other words on them. Mm. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you call it training, but I call it facilitation Mm. and you call it a presentation and I call it a deck. And so oh. she went through and spent a lot of time with me just telling me, here's how to look at it. And you, the thing that struck me is I didn't need to know everything so deeply like you do in the academic world. If I'm teaching you about global currency, I better know everything about global currency that you could ask me. But if I'm teaching you about leadership, a lot of times the, the, it's situational. Mm-hmm. It's well, it depends. And it's a lot more open-ended questions. So tell me more about that. What are your thoughts? And so I learned to hone those skills the other way around, which I think is really it's a really good skill set to have. And I'm very curious, so I get to learn mm-hmm. a lot about other people's situations and what they're struggling with.
0: I love that. You know, uh, one of the things that also got my attention is whenever you talked about uh, developing this new program, what the best mentors do, you posted an article.
1: It was uh, the yeah. Harvard
0: Business Press. And I thought it was really fascinating. I started looking at it. and I, So I just want to ask you kind of like, what, what do you think, you know, as you're building out this program, as you think about these things, as you've been mentored, as you've mentored others, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. what is, I, I often hear this question like, hey, what are what are, you know, maybe three things that make a great mentor?
1: Yeah, I think what makes a good mentor and you don't have to be, particularly perfectly skilled so we Mm. sometimes think we have to know everything about Mm. something Mm. Um, a great mentor is somebody who'll give you a little bit of time so you Mm. really need to be able to give the time sometimes a phone call sometimes something you've set up I think that I think it's being able to listen really well to what the person is Mm. trying to achieve and I think it's someone who encourages and supports
0: I love that I love that. Yeah. You know, when you said uh, the time, I, one of the things that I always talk about is availability. Uh, just mm-hmm. because somebody is a great mentor, if they're not available, they, 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 it may not be yeah. a good fit yes. for you. And so you just need to make sure they're available for that. And I love the listening. You know, every time I talk to, uh, I don't know, high performers, they always talk mm-hmm. about the importance of listening and yeah. how that skill is underutilized and that, you know, people need to. Really hone that skill in because listening is really important. And uh, when you use the word encourage, I mean, like that's my language. I just I love that. Oh my gosh. Well, well, let me ask you this. Okay, not just, maybe it's for this company as well. But I mean, uh-huh. and, and I gave you some questions, but I'm not sure if I gave you sure. this question. But uh, when you go into an organization, you've gone to all these mm-hmm. different organizations. I'm just curious, like, how do you develop influence? Like, you come in and people, mm-hmm. well, they can see you have some skill sets and you bring some experience, but they don't know you. Like, how do you develop influence in an organization? Your
1: thoughts? That to me is a very intriguing question. And it's harder now because we work virtually. So I'm a, you know, I'm kind of a people person. I like to talk to everybody. I like to know people's stories because I'm a storyteller. So, you know, I've been in the cosmetics industry with Mary Kay. I worked for Baylor Scott and White Healthcare, very different. I worked for RealPage, which is technology. And now I'm at um, Hitachi Vantara, also a tech firm, but a virtual firm. And so previously, I kind of got to know people by walking around. And I would have lunch with people and ask people a lot of questions and kind of pop in or, you know, oh, I saw it was your birthday, just wanted to say happy birthday, because I like that, I like that aspect of it. And I ask people a lot of questions. I'm very collaborative on things. You know, if I don't know a question, I want to go ask somebody the answer. So I'm always looking for an organization that has that kind of culture. Now it's been very interesting. So I think to your question, it builds influence when you ask people questions, you listen to them
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that says, I see you as the expert. What can you teach me something? but also being good at what you do. And I think admitting when you don't know something and you need somebody else's help can be in many cases, a really positive thing. So, you know, you have to gauge where you are.
0: I got to tell you, that, that gives me chills. Uh, just you saying that because you, cause that, cause I've talked to a lot of people about like vulnerability, like you have to be, Mm -hmm. you have to be Mm -hmm. able to say, Hey, I, I don't know the how, what, what's your perspective on this? Or can you give yeah. me some insight on this, right?
1: Exactly. And I've been told, you know, I'm, I'm very, I try to be very humble that way to say, mm-hmm. I don't really don't know, or I'm not sure. And I've people have, have coached me before and said, don't say that. Don't tell somebody you don't know somebody, something mm-hmm. you should kind of act as if you do or assume you'll figure it out. But I'm really, really honest and I don't like to do that. It makes me feel bad inside. So I'd rather say to you, Bruce, I really don't know the answer. I'm willing to go find out, or can you tell me where I can go for it? I, I think it's not a shark-based uh, approach to life. So if you look at people who are more, I, I, I don't know how to explain that, maybe more aggressive than mm. I am, they might, they might pretend they know the answer or they mm. might give you the answer that they think is right. I would prefer to know, and I think that goes back to my academic roots, that you really need to know that you're right on something before you put it out there for people to debate. So I think that's a that's a very that's a very tricky thing, and it's very bound in the culture you work in. Mm,
0: I love that. I love everything about that. As a matter of fact, I've had people talk to me about like networking and not necessarily mentoring, mm-hmm. but networking. And I told them, I said, "Hey, even with the when the pandemic was going on, the 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 uh, the, the mission never never changed. You still got to meet people. The environment right. changed, but the mission never changed. You just got to figure that out. Hey, let me." Um, let me, I just want to ask you like, yeah, where, sure. where did the storytelling come from? Like you are a great storyteller <laughs> and I love it because I remember stories. We talked about that before we first came on about the right, of storytelling. Right. Uh, but yet I think you posted a video on storytelling. What, what are your thoughts around that? Like for people listening, cause I want, I want the, people, the audience to hear this. And if you're listening right now, make sure you got a pen and paper out. Cause there's going to be some gold here.
1: Uh, there might be gold. Um, I actually won a prize for storytelling, which I love. So I took uh, Rance Green. He's a guy I know from, uh, ATD in Dallas. Okay. Rance I think alone. I,
0: I think I met Rance. Is he a former president of ATD? Um, he is. okay. Yes. I met him at one of the events. Great guy. Okay.
1: Years ago, I went to a thing and here was Rance and he was doing, it was one of the, um, special interest groups. I went there at lunch and he was going to talk about recording and how you get really good recordings when you're doing a recorded video. And he had so much information and I kind of reached out to him. I said, can I call you with a question later? I need to know more. And so we connected and we've kept in touch over the years. And a couple of months ago, maybe it was over a year ago, he started a company and it's something called tell me a story. And he he said to me, are you interested in storytelling? And I said, boy, am I ever. So he had the kickoff cohort and I joined and it was so fantastic. And it really helped me to think more about how do you structure stories? Because while I'm a good storyteller, I can also probably be a little long winded. Mm Because in my very cluttered, it, I have that uh, disc style of the eye. And I like to tell you lots of information and be entertaining. <laughs> See? That's me. I'm That's me. what I mean so I'm a really high eye and I also have input as one of my strengths so I know a lots of th- a lot of little things that I can throw in there to make mm-hmm. it interesting and juicy and palatable and you know Rance said you got to you got to start your story and know who your audience is and what's the influence you want to have and what are your points and then how do you wrap it back up and so we worked together as a cohort and we all had one story and went through and kind of gave each other feedback. It was a very interesting exercise. So, you know, there's a lot out there, but I would, you know, connect with him if you're interested in learning more because he's really good at helping you figure out how to use the story to make things interesting. Go back to like me sitting in the basement of a bank as an internal auditor and what was wrong with that. There were stories, but I didn't get to tell them. I was just all about the numbers and the facts. And I think we all like to see something vivid, something interesting. You want to know why? Why should I do this? Why should I have one-on-one meetings with my employees? So I could tell you one of the impacts of having a one-on-one meeting is it provides you know that, that, that weekly conversation. And I could tell you about somebody who did this well. Would you like to hear that? But I won't tell you I'm just saying, for example, and once you kind of explain this story or have you ever heard of this people's ears prick up like dogs Mm. and they think, wow, there's something kind of intriguing about that. So I think storytelling adds a lot to it besides just you should do it because that's what I said you should do to here's some really good reasons to consider.
0: This is so fantastic. I love every bit of this. I, as a matter of fact, I can picture you right now sitting in the chair in the basement of the bank. I mean, yes, as you're Mike. telling this story, that's what I'm visualizing, and that's what storytelling does as well. And I, I talk about, you know, in leadership, man, if you can really get good at storytelling, man, you can really drive a lot of impact. Well, well, let me let me ask this question I want, uh, for for those who are listening and they say hey you know what that sounds really cool what lisa's doing with this mentoring program building out in in this global leadership development uh, what are a couple of, and you don't have to spill everything but what are maybe a couple of things that you're w- that will be part of this what it was a good program look like what are a couple of pieces mm-hmm. that you're going to make sure and then for those listening make sure you yeah. put that into for your organization
1: Right, so I think if you're building a bigger program or you're building a program with a wide span on it, part of, the, part of what you need to take into account is you've got to provide enough information, enough tools and resources for people who are slower to process or really need to sit down and think deeply. So you've got that group. Then you've got people like me that move really fast and I'm gonna look at it and go, all right, got it. I'm gonna move forward. So you have to have enough across the range. So I think of learning as kind of a salad bar. And if you go to a salad bar and you might, I hate kale, but Bruce might like spinach, and then we're gonna have different toppings. And you wanna provide, especially with self-serve or online types of learning, provide enough structure. Like you might have a picture. You wanna learn something about giving feedback. So let's give you a picture of what that could look like. And so imagine your salad bar and it would have five different ingredients. But what if I wanna do giving feedback in a one-on-one situation? Well, then I've got two things. So now I'm adding croutons and carrots and other pieces. So you know, now I must be hungry, but if you think about it, whatever you do, think about the fact that your learner isn't one person. There are a lot of different people with different experiences. different learning styles so i'm very visual so generally i wouldn't listen to a podcast very often because i need to see words and pictures Mm -hmm. but some people are completely the opposite they don't want to see a lot of pictures and maps they just want to hear something or they want to be told so you have to cater it to all those different pieces and i think um working for a highly global company where you know our mother company is japanese we think, too, about the language, about using common language terms mm. that everyone will understand. So don't make it too tricky, but provide ways for people to connect. So I've got my, the mentoring program that I'm working on. We've linked it three ways, and this is where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. So it sits in Workday, okay. and that's where all the back offices. So you think about the old filing cabinet. That's your Workday. And then we've got SharePoint, and that's where all the tools are. So that's kind of like the toy box full of things. And then I'm using Yammer. I've got a Yammer site and that's the communications piece. And it's very interesting right now to think about how you can do that. So I'll post things onto Yammer and say, hey, we've got a new tool, you better go look at it. It's fantastic. And if you wanna learn more about these other things, here's an article I just read. So I think that triangulation of resources will attract a lot of different types of learners and it will keep people interested and involved because you know it seems exciting now but a year from now i'm going to have to reboost mentoring again because people will have forgotten about it, or that they didn't try it or thought they'd do it later
0: let me let me ask you a question and by the way i love how you're like you're just like I, I can visualize it when you talk about the salad bar and the self-serve and the online learning and the file cabinet and the toy box i just i just love all this um and so I, i'm curious though Do you have a, or do you, or do you equip your leaders, uh, with a calendar or do you have a calendar? Do you have something like, Hey, for the next 90 days, next 180 days, or the next 12 Mm -hmm. months, we're going to put this out like this article or this, how does that, Mm -hmm. how does that work?
1: Um, we have a larger learning and, learning and development team, and they okay. do have a calendar, a monthly newsletter that comes out. I just saw yeah. it just came through a minute ago. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of reminders on different things you okay. could be taking. We have a lot of leadership courses. So we have, at Hitachi Vantara, we have a, a huge variety. Like, I've yeah. never seen anything like this anywhere I've worked. Yeah. We have this- great online learning. We've got Skillsoft courses. We have a lot of facilitated courses. And then we have a lot of bespoke courses and we use external vendors as well for really specific things. So yeah, we remind people monthly and then I work through the business partners to let them know about new things. So I'll be presenting the mentorship overview to all of these different business partners around the world. So those will be the late nights and early mornings and just letting them know and answering their questions because that one-on-one touch really helps. I can send an email, but if somebody actually like sees me face to face and we talk about it, we share a little bit of information, kind of like eating lunch or drinking coffee with somebody, it just kind of, it kind of helps smooth the way. So you go, tell me more.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: yeah, that surpasses what anything you could do with an email or a text message or some kind of Teams message.
0: Yeah, I love that. You know, I think continuous learning is the key, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. companies or a lot of people, they'll put together programs. It's kind of a one-time thing, and then uh-huh. you know we forget about it, and then we go back to it. But just continuous learning. There's so much, too, on LinkedIn, right? You have the yeah. LinkedIn learning. I mean, with technology today, there's just so much. It's everywhere. So you're able to offer. I feel like mm-hmm. you're able to more guide guide your, your program and everything. I just, I love all this. Hey, let me, uh, let me ask you this question. Oh man, I could talk this all day long. I do want to ask you though, um, whenever you, you know, when you talk about mentoring others, whenever someone's, you know, you find yourself giving advice and, (laughs) and and you've given a lot of great advice today, but What's some advice that you have been given, whether it was early in your career or mm-hmm. maybe family or friends, but uh, some advice that was just so good that you just find yourself sharing with others?
1: I think that the whole thing about trying difficult things mm. and this it, it all ties back right to what we started talking about at the beginning, the why not, but I think that thing of trying difficult things and. Probably that came to me and my, you know, my dad was a big advocate of that. Go get your MBA, make sure you do stuff that you really want to do. And I remember being very young and thinking, which major do I want to have? I'm going to go into the business school. It looks like everybody goes into marketing, especially women go into marketing. But I had a lot of guy friends and they were mostly finance majors. And I thought, well, I should do that then because the odds would be better you know, there'd be fewer women in there. So I could be more unique. And I could learn something that a lot of people don't know. I'm not really that good with numbers. I mean, I'll tell you, it's a struggle. I don't love finance, I could do it, but it's not really my field. So I think that thing of trying something that's difficult. um, It's always really stuck with me. And, you know, the project I'm working now, it's difficult and complex. And, It's a lot and I'm a perfectionist and I go back all the time and look at materials and go, oh, maybe another shade of blue. Mm. Oh, wait, let me think how I can do that better. So for me, the challenge is when do you let go of things and stop trying to fix them? And I think that if I can give people advice, you, you need to have a point where you say it's good, it's good enough, it meets the needs, so move forward. And you can always come back and do an update Or a 2.0 version or whatever. But I think I tinker with things a lot. Mm. And I know that's one of the things I do. I move my furniture all the time to my house, (laughs) you know, or I'll like change artwork around. And I keep rethinking these things. I organize my closet a lot. So,
0: yeah. (laughs) I love that. You know, my wife will say, why do you put that box from one table to the other? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I just want to move over here. This, oh man, that's so good. You know, uh, you know, I mentioned we uh, saw each other at the uh, Lell's, and I can't remember yeah, if I we showed did. this you video did. or not. But Adrian Court shared that mm-hmm. similar message around OTL getting it over the line. That a lot of people try to get it perfect. And if you'll yeah. just get it eighty five percent there, and I just love what you're sharing because I guarantee you there's there's some there's some listeners or there's someone listening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right now that's trying to like make it perfect and and it could yes. just like hey maybe it's time to just get that out what, whatever it is you know whether it's you're going mm-hmm. back to school you're trying to get this new position you're working on a project whatever that is. Uh, just pushing that out. So that's some that's incredible advice. And I just, I got to tell you this, why not? It's just going to probably just, it's going to be on the top of my mind Don't for the rest of the day. <laughs> Don't steal the
1: book. I'll oh work my gosh. on it.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. Hopefully I planted a seed there. So yeah, anyway, well, this has been a lot of fun. I told you this time is going to just absolutely fly. So Let me ask you one last question before I chip to, it's time to accelerate. And that is what's uh, anything that, uh, else that you would suggest when you're uh, working on this leadership development program? Any other, mm-hmm. like for those listening, anything that I didn't cover today that you might share that might be helpful?
1: Yeah. I think if you're developing leadership development, you know, there's two ways to go on this. I'm actually going to speak about this later this year, but mm-hmm. you know, you could do the buyer, the buyer create decision. Okay. And a lot of companies buy stuff. Okay. And I've been in that position and I feel like when you buy things, it's great, but you need to customize it to fit your culture. Cause you go out there and talk about something. And unless you, if you know the company really well, okay. But sometimes you don't and it feels fake. Like you have to have that authenticity mm. on things that you buy, that it feels like Mary Kay, or it feels like real page, or it feels like wherever you work and you tie it together and you do that through storytelling. Right. So You can have a PowerPoint with three bullet points. You can talk about them. When you tell the stories behind it, people start relating. And if you don't have the stories, ask for stories Mm. because everybody's got one. So I think on that, and then when you're making and creating things, you cannot create content in a vacuum. So again, you need to go out and ask people who do these things well. You need to test things with other people. You need to ask people a lot of questions. Hey, here's what I'm doing. What do you think? So I have a trainee right now from Japan and she's here for a year and she's so wonderful. She's you know, young in her career and I will show her things and say, all right, can you look at this with your, with your younger eyes and tell me if this makes sense? So we were doing some cultural training. I asked her to have a look at it and she said, yeah, it's not really that relevant. So let me, let me help you. And she did. And she updated all these things and showed us something that was so much better than what we had envisioned because she had that, like, front of, that front row knowledge that she's lived in Japan. She knows what things look like and she knows what's hip and current and what appeals to people in her generation. So sometimes you got to reach out to the people who really know it and then bring it back in. And boy, did I learn a lot talking to her. And so I've really appreciated the chance to have, like, we would call that reverse mentoring. And I, ke- I keep saying, Madoka, tell me what you know. What do you know about this? What are your thoughts about that? So she's right now kind of reverse mentoring me and teaching me what's cooler and hipper and how do young people in the younger generation really want to learn. And I think I mentor her by showing her sort of, you know, the ways I've done it and the thought process I have around it. So it's a great relationship. And I feel so, so blessed to have that.
0: Reverse mentoring. I love that. Oh my gosh. This is so good. And I love what you said about uh, if you don't have the stories, go ask for the stories, mm-hmm. make sure you're telling the story in your, your organization, man, this has been so good. So
1: much oh, fun. My right? goodness, Lisa,
0: this is so good. Hey, we're going to shift to it's time to accelerate. I'm going to ask you just a few fun questions as we're kind of in the segment. And the first question I always like to ask is, would you rather read a book or listen to a podcast?
1: you know what i'm going to say and it's book because of the visual aspect yeah i'm going to of course it is yes book and i've got a i'm reading the best book right now
0: when you say the best i'm on that like i'm on the clip now i'm on the edge
1: so i've got this woman who's speaking for us in a couple weeks um, Leanne meyer
0: love that yep
1: she's south african and the book is called climbing the spiral staircase how women can navigate their careers and accelerate success and it's very different than I thought. And she really forces you to look at like, how do you define success? And why do you want to be successful this way or that way? And isn't what you're doing already successful? So fantastic book. I, I promised to review it and put it on LinkedIn because I told her I would, but I've enjoyed it so much.
0: That's fantastic. I'll put that yeah. in the show notes so people can link how to that if they want that? to check that out for sure. Hey, you listen, I know you work a lot. I mean, you got a lot going on. (laughs) Um, But outside of work, like, what do you like to do? Like, what energizes you?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, I love to travel. So that's my big thing. Um, One of my favorite places in the US is New Orleans. So I've got a daughter there. And Anytime I can go to New Orleans, I can eat some food. We go listen to music and I love how old it is and, you know, kind of the antiqueness and the culture of New Orleans. So for a quick weekend, that's what I love to do. And um, yeah.
0: Interesting. You brought that up. Uh, Sherm 22 is in New Orleans this year for the uh, annual conference. Oh, it's in really? New- it's uh, June the 12th through the 15th. And I've been interviewing some different people about, you know, going to the conference and, I will fun. be there. And, and what's interesting is this will be my first visit to New Orleans. So I'm going to have yeah. to get with you on you the places to go. You,
1: I'll give you the tips and I'll give you one word of advice. Stay off Bourbon street. <laughs> Just like Everybody goes to, okay. So it's like being a Dutch person and living in Holland, people would meet me and they'd say, do you have wooden shoes? Do you, do you go to Amsterdam? Do you, you, know, these very typical things because we right. tend to see things kind of stereotypically. The same thing, people will not like New Orleans because they assume it's all Bourbon Street and it is not. So go see some of the cool things and I'll give you some tips.
0: I cannot wait. I will follow up with you on that. Okay, here's my last question. Okay. Lisa, okay. this is the, one of my favorite questions. Lisa, 10 years older is knocking at your door and you're going to go answer that door. What's she going to tell you?
1: He's going to tell me to slow down <laughs> take more breaks yeah i think slow down um uh, think more and don't be in such a hurry and just get it over the line because that drive for like always being the best and that winning and the perfection thing it can you can be like a hamster on a wheel and so you know 6 30 last on friday i was still working on something And my boyfriend's like, hey, we're going to dinner in 10 minutes. Are you ready? And I'm like, almost, 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 almost. (laughs) And, you know, he comes over and I'm running upstairs. I'm like, five minutes. I'll be there. So I wish I would take a little time back and just not do that all the time because you kind of miss out on the really nice things, too.
0: I love that. That is a wise 10-year-older Lisa. I love that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You are definitely living life in the leadership lane. I appreciate you coming on the show so much today. Hey, for those who are listening that heard something that they're like, man, I need to connect with Lisa. How is the best way for them to connect and learn more?
1: Um, you can look at my LinkedIn page. It's Lisa Pluch, P L O E G. I am the only one in the whole world with this name. So you'll find me. And my. What do you want to call it? It's not a hashtag, but my address is Lisa Plukh knows leadership. Mm. So you just type Lisa Plukh knows leadership. It should come up.
0: And I also will mention that if you're going to connect with Lisa on LinkedIn, be sure and uh, put in the notes that you heard her on the Life and Leadership Lane podcast. It helps with that connection right off the bat. And so she'll know why you're, why you're connecting. Hey, I really appreciate you. So much wisdom, great perspective. I know that the listeners are going to get a lot from this. And uh, I can't wait to share it. And I appreciate your friendship so much. Thanks for coming on the show, Lisa.
1: Oh, Bruce, that was so much fun. You made my Monday so happy now. It was just fun to talk to you and kind of energize and share stories and ideas. And yeah, so I will look forward to seeing you soon.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to share it. I'll let you know when it plays. And uh, I'll talk to you later.
1: Okay, thanks. Bye.